0: Welcome to the Coaching Talks Podcast, your inspirational moment to continue your growth journey. How can mindfulness support our performance in life and at work? Today, we'll talk about the importance of being mindful, together with the psychologist and mindfulness teacher, Ruth Franco, and executive coach, Mark Siles. And now, relax and enjoy. We all experience constant pressure around us most of the time and this is taking a toll on our performance and health. According to the World Health Organization, the rates of depression and anxiety have risen by close to 20% since 2005, making them the leading cause of ill health and disability worldwide. It is estimated that this situation is costing around 617 billion euros per year to companies in Europe. This is taking into consideration the direct costs such as medical treatments and the low productivity factors including sick leaves. Another recent study uh, led by the World Health Organization estimates that depression and anxiety disorders cost global economy 1 trillion US dollars each year in lost productivity. And of course, we must keep in mind the negative effects this can have on the quality of life and to those around us. At the same time, there is a lack of attention and support strategies in companies. It was reported on the Health and Wellbeing at Work survey back in 2018 that 86% of the respondents said they went to work when feeling unwell over the last 12 months. At the same time, the number of organizations uh, taking steps to discourage that to happen has gone from 48% in 2016 to just 25% in 2018. Is mindfulness one potential solution to this issue and how can it be used at work and in life? To talk about this topic, we have today with us Ruth Franco. Ruth is a qualified psychologist and psychotherapist and a member of the Finnish and the Spanish psychological associations. She's also a mindfulness instructor and has expertise in a variety of fields related to mental health and well-being, facilitating change and growth processes as well. Ruth, uh, welcome to our show
1: Thank you so much, Mark, for inviting me. I am really glad to be here with you today to discuss these topics that, as you very well describe, are having such a big impact on the lives of so many individuals.
0: Mindfulness has become a kind of buzzword at the moment. So to start with, it just feels natural to ask you, what does it really mean and how can it help us?
1: Probably the most uh, used definition of mindfulness is the Jon Kabat-Zinn definition. And it refers to a set of skills to pay attention in a particular way, which is on purpose, in the present moment, and non-judgmentally. John kabat is a medical doctor who has popularized the, the concept over the last years and given us a lot of tools to work with mindfulness in a variety of settings. There is another definition that I especially like, which is from Ruth A. Bayer, mm-hmm. who is a professor of clinical psychology at the University of Kentucky. And she says that mindfulness means intentionally bringing one's attention to the internal and external experiences occurring in the present moment. And I really like this emphasis hmm. on noticing not only what is happening outside, but but also what is happening inside us. That's right. The practice of mindfulness has been connected to a lot of physical and mental health benefits, But it is especially in the field of stress reduction where we can find the biggest amount of research. And there is another area uh, in which we have a lot of research also, which is performance, Hmm. trying to find out if the practice of mindfulness helps us to perform better. We have a lot of distractions for our brain in the current times, (laughs) and that is a problem for performance. (laughs) And we have also seen that practicing mindfulness then can improve our concentration, our attention, and therefore our performance.
0: The best way to capture moments is to pay attention. This is how we cultivate mindfulness. Mindfulness means being awake. It means knowing what you are doing. John Kabat-Zinn I think that you touched upon some really important factors. So, let's start on the first level of stress and well-being. Which are the main impacts uh, this dimension can have in our lives?
1: We know that there is a connection between prolonged stress, muscle tension, pain, and a debilitated immune system. Mm-hmm. And we know there is a difference also between short periods of stress and long periods of stress. I'm sure that we all have noticed what happens. Even after short periods of stress, we start noticing some sleep disturbances, maybe changes in our mood, some fatigue maybe some headache or irritability. But the problem comes after long periods of stress. Then we might start noticing already anxiety and depression symptoms, sleep problems, mm-hmm. pains in our body, back pain, maybe fatigue, chronic fatigue, digestive problems, autoimmune disease, cardiovascular disease, so different systems in our body. We see then that stress has a clear impact on our immune system, and we are seeing an increase of immune diseases in the current times. How does this actually happen? I'm using here a material of Leonard Calabrese, which is a clinical immunologist. Mm -hmm. And the first thing that happens is that stress produces cortisol, which is uh, a hormone. And in the short term, this boosts the immune system. We get more active, we get ready for a fight or a flight response, mm-hmm. we get ready for action. But in the long term, when we have had too much cortisol in the blood, that increases the level of inflammation in our body. And the lymphocytes, that are white blood cells that fight infection, they start to decrease. Then the probability of anxiety and depression starts to increase, also leading to more inflammation. When we incorporate the practice of mindfulness in our lives, we find ways to stop these processes. We strengthen our immune system and find ways to gain more awareness about what is happening to us. And something that is important to realize, and John Kabat-Zinn talks about it, is that there is a brain asymmetry in the prefrontal cortex. Mm-hmm which is a part in the front side of the brain. The left prefrontal lobe has to do more with positive emotions and behavioral activation, and the right side more with negative emotions and behavioral inhibition. And we see that the practice of mindfulness changes the flow of information and creates a better balance between these two sides and changes the relation to our emotions in a positive way.
0: Ruth, uh, do we actually have any research results that can validate that mindfulness can help with the problems you described?
1: We actually have a lot of research that has been done during the last years. But I can tell you, for example, about a a meta-analysis that Mm -hmm. was done by Hoffman and colleagues in 2010, and they review 39 studies. And they see that there is a support of the efficacy of mindfulness-based therapy for reducing anxiety and depression symptoms. Also, there is another study from Hossel and colleagues from 2011, and they show how participating in an eight-week mindfulness meditation program makes measurable changes in brain regions associated with memory, sense of self, emotion regulation, and perspective taking. And I could tell you also about another study from 2014. This is from Irwin and colleagues. And they show how genes related to inflammation became less active in cancer and insomnia patients practicing mind-body interventions, which is obviously a very important research result.
0: So it seems that lately there has been a lot of interest and research on that topic. So when moving to the second dimension that you mentioned before about the performance level, uh, just a few weeks ago, there was an article published in the Harvard Business Review about how mindfulness can also help engineers to solve problems. So it seems that we also start to have tangible results of its effectiveness in performance and creativity at work.
1: That's right. You are referring to the article, How Mindfulness Can Help to Solve Problems. Yeah. This study mentioned that there is convincing evidence demonstrating a causal link between being mindful and being able to engage in divergent thinking, which Mm. is a very interesting result. About divergent thinking, from Wikipedia we can read that it is a thought process or a method used to generate creative ideas by exploring many possible solutions. Divergent thinking typically occurs in a spontaneous way, in a free-flowing and non-linear manner. Many possible solutions can be explored in a short amount of time and unexpected connections are drawn. After the process of divergent thinking has been completed, ideas and information are organized and structured using convergent thinking, which is a more traditional and structured approach. This article shows how creativity and innovation skills are not emphasized in many traditional engineering courses and how mindfulness can help engineers strengthen their ability to generate new ideas leading to new ways of thinking and better solutions. The authors look at the impact of a 15-minute mindfulness meditation on divergent thinking performance among 92 engineering students at Stanford University. The results demonstrated a clear relationship between mindfulness and enhance divergent thinking, but they also show that just after these 15 minutes of meditation, the originality of ideas would increase, hmm. but not necessarily the quantity. Okay. So a more regular practice definitely had a greater impact. Then in a second study, they analyzed survey results from approximately 1,400 engineering students and recent graduates across the U.S. to look at the relationship between mindfulness and innovation. Mm -hmm. And they saw that a particular component of mindfulness that is called mindful attitude was the strongest predictor of innovation, self-efficacy. And that is actually very interesting, how developing a beginner's mind and an open mind can have a very concrete impact on the results of our work.
0: I find that fascinating. I think that the divergent thinking is a particularly important factor for developing innovative solutions, as uh, as you said. You also mentioned that there is convincing evidence uh, demonstrating a causal link between being mindful and being able to engage in uh, divergent thinking. I have observed the strong correlation uh, this has with the practice of active listening and acceptance towards others' opinions, as well as the curiosity towards what else there could be beyond one's views, kind of being open to uh, new experiences. I notice uh, with my clients the positive impact this can have on their decision-making capabilities as well, right?
1: That's true. Creativity and decision-making are for sure two very relevant dimensions when talking about performance at work. Most of us have experience how at work and in life there are lots of noise and distractions around us all the time. There are emails, their presentations, calls, urgent problems that need to be fixed or maybe taking the kids to the hobbies, their activities, many other things that are happening all the time. (laughs) And it's clear now how mindfulness can help us with those challenges. We talked about the prefrontal cortex before, Mm -hmm. which is an essential part in our brains in the decision-making processes. And when we experience stress, other parts of our brain take over and our capability for cognitive decision making gets worse. So it is through the practice of mindfulness where we can reactivate the activity of the prefrontal cortex.
0: I can see how a lack of enough downtime space has a negative impact on the execution of the company's strategy and our performance, according to what you said. So basically, creativity and decision making are for sure. Two very relevant dimensions when uh, talking about performance at work, right? And uh, most of us have experienced how at work there is a lot of noise and distractions all the time, as you mentioned. It's clearer now how mindfulness can help us uh, with those challenges. I'm wondering which is the impact uh, that the practice of mindfulness can have as well on a social level.
1: Mindfulness practice can have also a tremendous impact on our active listening capabilities, our empathy levels, and our levels of acceptance. That's right. And I'm talking here about the acceptance of ourselves and the acceptance of others. Hmm. Mindfulness, as we said, is defined as intentionally paying attention with openness and kindness and curiosity. So in the context of work, this will have a significant impact on the way in which we relate to our colleagues and supervisors, in the ways we communicate, in the ways in which we face challenges. Do we give up immediately or are we ready to dedicate more time and more attention to the tasks? Those are skills we can develop through our practice.
0: Developed through our practice. Uh, I have to say that when I started with this topic, I didn't find it so easy or so obvious how to implement mindfulness in my daily life. Uh, Ruth, which do you believe that are the main challenges we can face when trying to practice mindfulness?
1: This is a question that I get often because if there are so many benefits, (laughs) why it becomes so difficult to practice at times? So... It's important to realize that our brain is made out of many different layers that have been formed in different points of the evolution. So they might have conflicting interests, even if the prefrontal cortex is telling us how good it would be to exercise and go to the gym today. There might be other parts in our limbic system that want us to get now immediate satisfaction and eat the chocolate. (laughs) Yeah, I was going to say the cheesecake. (laughs) So, we tend to prefer immediate reinforcement versus long term reinforcement. And we will inco- encounter some challenges there. And also, important parts of the limbic system are involved in the decision making. So, sometimes we want to believe that we make decisions only with the most rational or cognitive parts of the brain. But that is actually not true. Our emotions are always involved in the decision making one way or another and we are unaware of most of the activity of our brain so it is through the practice of mindfulness that we will have a better access to those different layers of activity that Mm -hmm. are happening in the brain at the same time and then we will get better at knowing what to do about it
0: I think that you have described really well, which are the main challenges when trying to implement mindfulness in our lives. So just before we finalize our podcast today, which are the top advices you could give to our listeners? So how can they get introduced or improve their mindfulness skills? How can they be more mindful?
1: Something that I often advise is take any time you have to practice. Mm -hmm. We tend to believe that we have to dedicate long periods of time for practicing mindfulness, but in order to start practicing and to strengthen our practice, we can use any moment, taking a time to observe what there is around us or to connect with our inner experience. If you can dedicate just five minutes, then do it. If you have one minute, Mm. then do it. It will make a difference for your brain. You can pay attention to the use of social media, for example. Mm. How much time do we spend sometimes on our devices and screens? if we would dedicate just a little part of that to our practice, it <laughs> would right. make a change in our day.
0: So you mean to reduce a bit uh, the usage of social media, especially maybe before going to bed?
1: For example, that is definitely a very sensitive time for us. And we get our brains overactivated with the use of social media. Mm-hmm. So that is a moment to Take things easy and calm down and dedicate some time for practice. Mm -hmm. Another advice that can be useful for many people is that you don't need to be still always in order to practice. Some people find difficulties in not moving. They need to move more frequently. Mm. So there are many practices in mindfulness that include more movement, like, for example, mindful movement.
0: That's so true. I noticed myself during uh, one of my visits in Japan last year when I was introduced to the topic of uh, forest baths. Have a mindful walk in a in a forest and just enjoy and observe that moment. And I found that to work extremely well for me. You know, it's just what you said. I was wondering a while ago when I started with these uh, practices why it was so difficult to stay still and sit down. And I noticed then, uh, when having those mindful walks, how I could uh, enter in those states of mind you were describing.
1: That's an excellent example of how mindfulness can happen in movement also. Mm -hmm. And last but not least, I recommend to search for the tools that work the best for each one of us. Practicing mindfulness does not mean that we will be encountering just happy emotions in the way. Mm -hmm. When we meet our inner worlds, there can be difficult emotions there, fears and anxieties. This is why it is important to find the right guidance and someone who can help us during those moments.
0: Thanks a lot, Ruth, for sharing with us what mindfulness is and how it can actually help us in our private lives and also in our performance at work.
1: Thank you so much. So that was all for
0: today. And thank you very much for being a loyal listener. Let us know if there is any topic you would like us to cover down in the space for comments. Have a great rest of the week. Goodbye. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to our bi-weekly podcast and remember this is about spreading and sharing the knowledge so feel free to forward this audio to anybody you believe could get any benefit out of it. Coaching Talks podcast your inspirational moment to continue your growth journey.